Uh, before I get started, of course, as I always do, I want to give honor to my pastor as he has uh, entrusted his pulpit with me, and I know that that's not a, uh, not a thing that I take lightly, so I appreciate that he trusts me to get up here and speak to all of you. I also want to say uh, thank you to my wonderful wife who is back there teaching all of your children by herself without me, as if she hasn't done that before. I'm going to bring a message today. Um, how many people today know that our world is in an identity crisis? How many people know that? We've, we live in a world today where we, we want to slap a label on everybody, but we don't know what label we want on ourselves. So think about just for a second, if I were to ask you one word that describes you that would be your label, what would it be? So, Brother Randy, what would you say? Godly, okay. Who else has got one? One word, one that you would label yourself as. Gentle, okay. Okay, Jesus. All right. So how do we identify ourselves? I know there's a point in my time, in my life, that I've identified myself numerous different ways throughout my life. Do we identify ourselves by our job? Maybe by our name? Or our income level? We could be accomplished, have many people who admire us and gain positive reputation. However, that doesn't mean we still won't wonder who we are. We see all over the world today that social media is the thing to have and the thing to do. We try to get likes and, and follows because that's what we're trying to do is build a name for ourselves, a label for ourselves. But where does that get us? Just nowhere, right? The people who are doing it a lot of times use fake names. So they don't even know who themselves are, yet they want you to follow their label. I think it's time that we find out who we are in Christ. Take Nicole Kidman. She's an accomplished, well respected actress. She can earn over $15 million per film. Yet here is a woman who's been quoted as saying, I don't know who I am, or what I am, or even where I am headed. So we see worldly success does not gain any kind of meaningful identity for us. We still will be left wondering who we really are. And having an identity crisis. And this is especially problematic if you're a Christian. So we're going to talk today about one thing. And that is going to be how you will find your identity in Christ. Because as we all sit here today, 
we have a label that we're thinking in our mind that we think because Satan has put it there. We have a label that we're thinking in our mind that we won't speak out loud. Because Satan has told you that that is your identity. But I'm going to teach you today just for a few minutes on how to find your true identity in God. Because we don't have to follow that identity anymore. Some people might claim that they are, let's say, addicts. We have a wonderful recovery program. You know you don't have to call yourself an addict anymore? Because God says you're not. Stop labeling yourself by your past. Let's start labeling ourselves by the life we have in Christ. Satan as a roaring lion is on the prowl, convincing people his label is true and permanent. He seeks to defeat us either through shame at our label or pride in our label. But God provides for us a new identity. He calls us loved, forgiven, justified, accepted in Christ. He calls us by our names, and He calls us to Himself. When Jesus died on the cross, He paid our sins in full. The redemption He offers is so much more than just erasing the sins of our past. It's also giving us a new identity, today and forever. Yes, Satan continues to battle. Christians and churches sometimes struggle. The courts and legislatures are attempting to redefine right and wrong. But the gospel changes lives. And it is only the gospel that can change lives. The world and the devil may want to label us. But it is the creator who gets to define and name his creation. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. We are not who the world says we are. Identity theft is a big problem in society today. Has anybody in here ever had their identity stolen? I know I, I have. Just a little small one. It's a big problem in this society today. People are stealing people's identity and buying things that obviously don't belong to them. I remember when I was um, working for a, a parts department, we had a... a gentlemen that would call up all the time and try and buy hundreds of parts on fake credit cards. And he would try and say things like, uh, you know, you're going to ship it to me and, and, and then and I'll pay you and I'll send you more than what the parts are worth. 
and you know the whole nine yards, the whole like I'm an Australian king or whatever from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going around, right? So Satan also tries to steal our identity. Jesus said in John 10:10 that Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things that Satan wants to steal is our identity in Christ. Satan wants those who made a genuine commitment to Christ to feel that they are not accepted by God. That their, com- that their conversion was a farce or a lie. How does he do that? He does it by getting us to the base of our salvation, to base our salvation on works. Just like he tries to do for non-Christians. So when I mess up or I'm no lo- I feel that I am no longer a Christian. Or maybe that I never was to begin with. Therefore, my identity in Christ is determined upon my performance in my own mind. One big problem with Satan's identity theft is that if Satan can get you to forget who you are, then you'll be powerless and defeated. Satan wants to steal our likeness to Christ. Part of his purpose in stealing our identity is to erase any identifying characteristics that we might have in Jesus. He wants to render us unidentifiable so that we would be ineffective and an unproductive Christian. Did you know Satan even went after Jesus' identity? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 3.16. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation because I like the way this puts it. Matthew 3.16 says, And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Chapter 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him, And said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from my mouth. Then the devil took him to the holy city in Jerusalem, to the highest point on the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you will not even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus had just heard his father say, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased Yet literally a few verses later, we hear Satan say, If you really are 
the Son of God. You see, he's already starting to try and get Jesus to question his own identity. He is asking Jesus, who knows he is the Son of God, who was just baptized and told he was the Son of God, who literally just heard the Father speak to him and tell him how pleased he was that he was the Son of God, and Satan is right here, right behind him, saying, if you really are the Son of God. Satan was was tempting Jesus to doubt his identity. He wanted to get Jesus to do certain things to confirm his own identity. But Jesus didn't fall for it. God can confirm to us, you are my child. But Satan will be right there disputing that. How many times have you knelt down at an altar and prayed, feeling great, and within a few seconds walk out the church door and begin to hear Satan? Did that really happen? Did that prayer really work? Did that healing really heal you? Were you really touched by God when you knelt at that altar? Did the Holy Spirit really touch you in there? Or was that just some feeling you were having? Satan wants us to doubt. And if we are due, if we do, we are tempted to test God to see if he really loves us. That's that performance feeling. We want to see if he We are really protected by Him to see if we're really His. Maybe I need to ask God, did did I really feel the touch while I was in, in church today? Satan will challenge our identity by saying, if you are really a Christian, you wouldn't think that way. You wouldn't act like that. Although it's true that when we sin, we aren't acting according to our identity in Christ, that doesn't mean we are not a Christian. Satan went after Jesus' identity, and he will go after ours as well. Who do you think I am? Some have a confused sense of identity. Some might say, I wish I knew who I was. Some might say they are in an identity crisis. I believe that this is one of the most important conflicts people face in life today. According to scholars, an identity crisis is a time of intense analysis and exploration in different ways. A looking at oneself. Those with with status of having a scattered identity tend to feel out of place in the world. And don't pursue a sense of true identity. So when we're confused about who we are, we don't fit in anywhere. We don't have a sense of belonging. Therefore, we start to feel like we are nothing. And then we become depressed, maybe even suicidal. We convince ourselves that there's nothing to live for. We're convinced that there's no real purpose for our life. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do, who we are. Life becomes a burden. And we render ourselves defective or maybe useless. 
Since we can't figure out who we are and where we belong, we decide there's no point even in our own existence. We're convinced that no one cares, not even God. Therefore, maybe we feel like it's time to make our exit. Some of my story is a, that a lot of people have heard over the years. As being a, a gothic kid in high school and, and having that sort of identity crisis going through high school was that I, I didn't have anywhere that I felt that I fit in. I didn't have anybody that I felt I could get close to. So I did the one thing that I knew how to do, which was rebel against God. One of the stories I like to tell a lot of times is when we first became Christians and I first came to church and Pastor Todd first took me on one of the most great, greatest experiences of my life, which was church camp. As a youth, we went to church camp, and if he's listening right now, he knows what story I'm going to tell, I guarantee it. Because he knows we had the gazebo kids. And I've talked to you guys, I think maybe before I've told you this story about the gazebo kids, but the gazebo kids were the kids at church camp that was the outcast of everybody's youth group. They were, they were affectionately called the gazebo kids because that's where they all went. They all went and hung out in the gazebo, and they would always sit in, in, in the circle just talking to each other, looking like a dark hole in the gazebo because they were every bit as gothic as I had used to, used to be, even more so. There was one there that, that even mentioned the fact that he couldn't remember or couldn't even think about a drug that he had not tried or that he wasn't currently trying because he wanted to get away from his life. He didn't fit in anywhere. He didn't know his identity. By the end of that week, that kid was standing in front of the 500 kids that were there telling about how he had just gave his life to Christ. I love the story of the gazebo kids because that's where I would have been less than six months before that. I would have felt like the cast out, the one that didn't belong, the one that didn't fit in. The first time I went into church, I wore an Ozzy Osbourne shirt. And I had an hour-long conversation with Pastor Todd how I felt, because this was back in the year 2000, Marilyn Manson was an amazing guy. It, <laughs> but that's who I was. I literally, I, I couldn't identify with Christ because Satan had me so twisted in believing that the only thing I could identify with was those people, was the dark side of this world. I'm so glad that when I walked in to that church, I had a youth pastor that said, sit down and have a conversation with me. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about this. And I honestly think that's why I stand here today. And if I would have never met Pastor Todd, maybe something else would have came along because it's God's plan. But... I honestly feel like that's why I do what I do today. Because that 
split second in time when you think about your entire life. That one hour changed my life forever. That one hour that he spoke to me and revealed and poured a little bit, just a little bit of light into my life changed my life forever. I no longer had to be a gazebo kid. I no longer had to identify with the darkness of the world because I could finally identify with Christ and the light of this world. Some of us can even have a warped sense of identity. Perhaps we heard growing up that we were no good or would never amount to anything. In school, we became identified by whatever we were called. We become adults, and those abusive voices never really leave. We become Christians, and yet we still struggle with those nagging negative chants of Satan that is in our head. I can still think about the things that I was bullied now about when I was a kid in high school. I was not a skinny guy in high school, and I'm still not a skinny guy today. I love it. So we may identify ourselves as an unloved loser sometimes. Or for myself, I may have identified as a fat waste of space. Because of this negative grooming, we come to identify ourselves by our character flaws, by our issues, or by our sins. And we behave according to what we're convinced of. Norman Vincent once wrote, You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. If I believe I'm a loser, then I will live like I am a loser. I believed that I was a no-good waste of space. So I lived like I was a no-good waste of space. Folks, I had a great family. But that didn't make me feel any better at the time. Looking back now, I see the awesomeness that was my mother and father. But even even they didn't know what to do with me at that point. Because I was so stuck in believing what Satan had told me I was, instead of identifying with what Christ told me. It doesn't matter what the truth is sometimes. It matters what I think the truth is. It doesn't matter what is real. It only matters what I think is real. It doesn't matter what my true identity is. It only matters what my perceived identity is. So, who am I really? How can I discover who I really am? And solve this identity crisis. First, we have to ask ourselves something. Who do we believe? Who do we believe? We need to ask ourselves, who are we allowing to be the authoritative voice in telling us who we are? 
is that authoritative voice in your life? Children might think it's a, a parent. Sometimes I feel, and I just told Jerry this morning, this week Satan has been on me telling me constantly who I am not. And I'm not the person who's supposed to be standing up here. That I'm not supposed to be speaking to you. That I don't have a message for the people. That I don't believe what I'm speaking. Satan is a liar. We need to ask ourselves, who are we allowing to be the authoritative voice? Satan, who only lies to us? Or other people? Who could be just as ignorant and messed up themselves as we once were? Or is it God's voice who is truth? We're so held back sometimes when we have an identity crisis. We come to believe through listening to the wrong voice that there is no power greater than ourselves. So if we feel defeated, then there's no hope. I have a new hope. I need to believe God. I need to line up my thinking with God's truth. I need to line up my beliefs with what God has said about me. When I feel like a failure and a loser and a nobody, I need to remember the reality of Psalms 139.14, where God tells me that not only me, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When I feel unloved, I need to believe God's truth in Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Zig Ziglar observes the greatest single cause of poor self-image is the absence of unconditional love. If we believe God when he says that he loves us unconditionally, and since Romans 8.39 says nothing can separate us from His love, then we can begin to have a healthy self-image and begin to know who we are and I have an identity in Christ. Galatians 3.26 I am a child of God. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. God created us to be something other than what we became. Sin stole our identity. Adam and Eve be became something that God had not intended them to be. Through sin, that is why we are identif identified as sinners. Through Christ, we lose our old identity and gain a new one. We are now known by what God had originally intended us to be known as a child of God. When a child gets adopted, he often takes the name of his adoptive parents. He is identified as such. It doesn't matter what he used to be. He is not known by his past. He is now known by a different name. We are the adoptive sons of God through Christ. We have taken on a different name. 
We have a new identity. It doesn't matter who we were before. We have a new birth certificate because we are now a child of God. I am in Christ. Romans 8.1, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul expresses the personal appropriation of the work of Christ by the term in Christ. I am in Christ. The term in Christ appears to be one of the apostles' favorite terms to describe the personal and dynamic relation of the believer to Christ. And it appears in a variety of contexts throughout Scripture. This is a particular this particular phrase is found eight times in the book of Galatians, thirty-four times in Ephesians, and eighteen times in Colossians alone. This is what theologians call the identification with Christ. It means God has acted in such a way that we become identified with Christ. So what does that mean? I am in Christ. What does that mean? As far as God is concerned, what's true of Christ's standing has become true of me. Did Jesus die? He sure did. Then so did I. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Then so did I. Then I too rise from the dead. Did Jesus have power? Then so do I. I can accomplish anything of God's will because I am in Christ. Accepting this label in Christ will help us to secure our identity and allow us to confirm who we really are today. As I begin to close, the last point of today is... identity because of Jesus it says in verse 19 that God is not counting my sins against me therefore I am not identified as a sinner any longer you no longer have to identify with your past because of Christ I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live but it is Christ who lives within me the life I live in the body, I live by faith and the Son of God alone. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Through our baptism, we have become new creations. And we are now associated with Jesus. As a Christian, our identity is wrapped up in Christ. I am identified by my association with Jesus. My connection, my identity, is in taking His sacrifice and claiming it for my own. I'm going to hand out these little bookmarks.
I think there should be enough for everybody. But the bookmark says who I am in Christ. And I want you just to take it, read through some of these verses through the week. Think about it. Change your identity today. If you have never had the chance to change your own identity and never had the chance to stop associating yourself with the past person you were, today is the day to change that. Take a few of these. Next time Satan speaks in your ear who you think you are, remind him who you really are. the praise team comes forward if you've never had the chance to accept Christ as your Savior and change who you are I beg you today is the day of salvation I beg you that you would come down kneel at an altar of prayer and reach out to any of us that are up here and we will pray with you If there's something on your mind today that you need to get rid of or give to Jesus, then come kneel and I will pray with you. If Satan is speaking in your ear and telling you who you really are, you remind him, I am in Christ. And I'm going to come and kneel at an altar of prayer and give everything to him and remind myself that I am in Christ. Father God, once again we come to you so humbly, but so grateful and thankful that we have this opportunity, Lord. Let us now examine ourselves to see who we really are. Are we in you? Do we have that relationship with you? Have we come to you and said, change me and make me a new person? Let that be our cry today, to be found in you, in your holy, most gracious name, amen.